People go through rough patches. We're all constantly in a process of finding ourselves, then evolving, then having to find ourselves all over again. It's exhausting. It's hard. And because it's hard, we seek solace. The solace one seeks is often a reflection of how you grew up. So if you grew up outside of Boston and became a fireman and those were your buddies, spoiler alert, chances are it was booze. Dive bars. You know, fun stuff. Seriously, I love a good dive bar, but I didn't have a drink till I was 23 because I grew up with bars and booze all around me. Mom was a bartender for a long time. Stepdad was a fireman. And I mean, like, just watch rescue me. There's a lot of truth in there. So I saw real early on what too much drinking could do. I mean, the police came a few times to our driveway because there were father-son scuffles happening out front late at night. Not me and my dad. My dad was somewhere else. My stepdad and my stepbrother. Wow, did they argue a lot. And they drank a lot. And argued while drunk a lot. Because they were struggling to find out who they were and what the fuck they wanted out of life. I think they've since found it, by the way. And they are really great guys, and I love the fuck out of them. They're really proud of them and grateful to have grown up with them in my life. Happily, though, it never got really bad. Those drunk fights never got punchy. They reined it in at the last minute. I was really lucky. A lot of others haven't been. They had parents or step-parents who couldn't rein it in. And if you're young enough when the not reining it in starts happening, it can affect your whole life. Seeing it, it sucks. I'm sorry for you if that's what happened. But in defense of drinking, I also saw a lot of friendships cement themselves over a few, well, a lot of beers and at a bunch of Celtics games. In fact, some of those memories are so fond, I still have my Robert Parrish pennant hanging up on my wall to this day. That guy, the craziest free throw in NBA history. Uh, I'm tearing up. Tearing up. Excuse me. I, uh, let me get my glass. I have to go find myself. Oh, it's empty. I found myself. This is Stupid Human Suits. Um, This week, we are going to dig into an always tricky subject, family. Specifically, what happens when your parents aren't doing their job? Uh, We're delighted to be joined by Philip Betts. He lives in West Virginia. He works in IT, and he has had some experience with this subject. He's also had some experience with the foster care system. Thank you so much for joining us, Philip. Thank you, Philip. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Awesome. All right. So, uh, uh... It's, there's a lot to get to, so I guess could you just tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about your family and uh, your experience? Yeah, like up? how many brothers, sisters? Yeah, give okay. us the basics. Uh, depends on the parent. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I've always considered myself to be the oldest of seven children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the oldest of seven of my mother's children, but I'm actually the second oldest of seven of my dad's children. I didn't wow. find that out until I was much older. But wow. I have a, a half-sister who's four years older than I am. She was born when my father was 16. I was born when my father was 20. And I don't know that he has seen her since I was born. Oh, wow. So um, I didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time growing up. I was vaguely aware that she was there, but... Up until a couple of months ago, I've never had a meeting with her that I could remember. Oh, so you've met her now? We have. Oh, we got together a couple of months ago in uh, Manassas, Virginia, mm-hmm. and sat down and had some drinks and looked at some family photos. And uh, it was awkward, but not, <laughs> yeah. not, hey. but not awful. And uh, we're Facebook friends now. So. <laughs> well, and that's all that matters. The deepest and most abiding of friendships are on Facebook. She she lives in uh, in South Carolina, so getting together is difficult. Yeah. Um, next time she comes up this way, we are supposed to get together, but I don't know. If we'll we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern Virginia. Northern. Um, I was born in Leesburg. We bounced around a lot. Mm-hmm. By the time I hit high school, I'd already been in almost six different schools. Wow. Uh, just just through... Because moving around or because of, like, was there a social services thing or... Um, well, moving around mostly. My, my dad, uh, speaking of parents mm-hmm. not doing their job, uh, my dad had a habit of uh, using his money to 
pay for a lot of stuff that wasn't rent or uh. utilities. Yeah. <laughs> and and we uh, we moved around a lot. He had a hard time holding on to a job. We lived in a lot of apartment complexes. He's uh, he's very he's a very handy man. So he was generally the apartment complex maintenance man. Mm. Uh huh. And so we lived there rent free until he didn't show up for work for a week. And then we'd be, we'd have a 30 day notice on our door. You need to vacate because you're, you, need, you either need to start paying rent or vacate. And where yeah. would he be for like, uh, for one of the, and was this like just, oh, just I mean, dad he, there he, or he mom and dis- dad were there? He, he didn't, he didn't disappear completely. Usually he just wouldn't be at work when right. he's supposed to. Um, my dad had, has, as far as I'm aware, uh, I'm now 27, but I haven't had any contact with my, uh, with my father since I was 14. Mm -hmm. And that was a phone call, Mm -hmm. which was one of the more awkward moments of my life because at that point I hadn't talked to him in almost nine months. Wow. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of get to. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, let's, um, but, uh. He, he he drank a lot. Um, I know that there were drugs involved because I see I've, I've uh, seen the arrest records. <laughs> He's a uh, whatever it was he got caught with at some point. It was a felony amount because. He's, I know he's a registered, you know, or not, I don't suppose you register as a felon, but he's a yeah. felon, can't vote, can't own a gun. So. Well, um, let's, uh, I want to back up for a second. Yeah. So I, I know that a, a lot went wrong in your family um, at an early age. When did you first have a sense that, oh, uh, what's happening is, is sort of fucked up. This isn't how other families live. Like, did was there a moment where things sort of crystallized that, that things were bad? Uh-huh. It, it wasn't really early because mm-hmm. we grew up in some really poor sections. The places where we lived were never really, it was always lower middle class to mm-hmm. somewhere between lower middle class and rent controlled yep. um, where we lived. So a lot of families were not necessarily nuclear or mm-hmm. a lot of folks weren't necessarily living with both parents. And up until I was, five or six, as far as I could remember, my mom and dad were always there. Things weren't always great, but they weren't awful as far as I knew. It's yeah, a little well, hard when you're growing up in it um, to, to realize that something is wrong. Yeah, yeah. you don't have any, uh, there's no context. Right. right. Well, what was their uh, relationship like? Rough. <laughs> uh, were they yellers? Were they shouters? Were they, they bottle were throwers? They were shouters. They were... Um, my dad was was extremely uh, abusive, uh, emotionally, physically. Mm-hmm. Um, he he and my mom got into knockdown dragouts more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, about the time that I was seven years old, uh, we were living in Stafford, Virginia. We were in a townhouse, and I remember sitting uh, with my back against my bedroom door listening to just glass breaking and, and, and insults and swear words and shouting and banging. And when I got up in the neck, I got up the next morning, um, the trash can was full of all the broken stuff. Uh, the broom was in two pieces, uh, because my mom physically ejected my father from the house after he gave her uh, some pretty nasty bruises mm. um, by physically he eject she ejected him with the broom mm. and uh, and that that was probably the first time that I realized that my that my parents relationship wasn't normal because right. even even at, at, at seven you're, I get told every day that that's not how you deal with your problem that's not how you treat your siblings. Mm-hmm. So how could these two people who were supposed to be married and love each other can't treat each other that way? Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere uh, else you are in life, people are managing to function and speak to each other without coming to blows for the most part. 
or calling right. each other the yeah. worst things that come to mind. Were you all in the same room, like hiding? Like, was this was? Did you um, guys band together? Not, I mean, not not at that particular instance. But that was at the time. There were four of us. Mm-hmm. My siblings are. We always kind of split each other into groups because my me, the next youngest is my brother, and then I have a sister who are 90, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And then there's a five year gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a brother who was born in ninety seven, brother in ninety nine, sister in two thousand, brother in two thousand and one. So there's a five year gap, middle child, and then the last three. Um, so it's always been the you know the big kids and the little kids, yeah. right? And was it just the the first three of you that um, uh, had middle the same child parents? Was born by the time that this separation happened, okay. which is good. Uh, because my brother probably wouldn't be here mm. the way that they were going at it. Yeah. Um, I know that in that five-year interlude, I didn't know it at the time, but we there was a really uh, rough patch. Um, I mean, you, you would have had the same thing in, in New York, uh, if you remember, but the winter of 95 to 96, there was, uh, there was a blizzard, mm-hmm. and it made... You know, Snowmageddon a couple of years ago, it, looked, it, yeah. it was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And we lived in a place called Front Royal, Virginia, on a mountain. Oof. And uh, the kids down in town got to go back to school about a week before we did, just because we couldn't make it out of our driveway. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we went through that blizzard with no power. Oh, oh my God. That, that, goes, that goes back to my dad not, you know... Not paying the bills. Right. <laughs> yeah, the power wasn't just knocked down because the lines went down. Just wasn't available. Oh no, yeah, no. It was uh we we were living we were living without electricity. Um we we had a uh my mom was going to uh, I know that well okay, we were we were bathing. Uh, we were on a well. So mm-hmm. we we didn't have power, we didn't have water. Um so we were bathing in the, still going to school every day, but we were bathing before school in a convenience store bathroom mm-hmm. oh, uh, because Jesus. nobody wants to send the smelly yeah. kid to school. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that my mom was filling up uh, buckets or jugs or something with water because you can still... Um, you still operate a toilet with no running water. You just need a source of water. Mm-hmm. So we we were uh, during that. I mean, during that whole winter, we were kind of restricted to a room in the house that we had. Uh, put blankets across the doors. No. Um, and I was. I mean, I was five, pushing six. Uh, brother and sister were four and three, and we didn't know any. Again, this is. It, it was adventurous. It was like camping. Um, yeah. My mother would we would sing songs and she'd read us books by lantern and 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 try. Um, There's something cozy about being you know trapped in a uh, in a blizzard. That, that that's the appeal of you know getting to stay home on a snowy day in the in the Northeast and right. You know. Did you have, like, a fireplace or something? I mean... uh, My grandparents uh, loaned us, uh, which I I only bring that up because it's still a point of contention with my grandfather because he never got it back. But (laughs) it was a a propane heater Mm -hmm. in the fireplace. We did have a fireplace. Uh Um, My dad wasn't going to get wood for it, so we stuck a propane heater in the fireplace that it would still vent and it was it, it was it was like camping yeah early like 1800s i don't but it was uh and and looking back and i haven't thought about this in a long time but like i said it was like you or like you said it, it's uh it's kind of cozy yeah. it was like camping and my mom was there and sang us songs and read books and it was at the time, not not as big a deal as it is looking back now. Right, it's, right. It's one of the. It's another one of those things. One of the uh, nicer memories in a in a, what turns out to be a much rougher patch, yeah. which uh, I 
I guess let's let's ask you about that at this point because how much longer were you guys all together? Because the next part of your life turns into involves foster care. Well, uh, we were actually uh, we I didn't go into foster care until I was thirteen years old. Oh, okay. And all seven of us were around, and all seven of us were placed, um, but we were split. Uh, three with one family, two with another, and then two with a third family. Um, when I was seven years old, uh, about five, six months after that fight, my dad never came back after that. My parents separated for probably about 18 months uh -huh. uh, at that point. But during that time, we actually had a house fire. Uh, we had a lamp knocked over on some blankets in my sister's room, and my mom wasn't there. Mm. Um, I was I was seven years old, and I was babysitting for a six-year-old, a five-year-old, nope. and uh, a newborn baby. What? Oh no, nope. that's insane. No. no, actually, I take that back. Not babysitting. Mom was asleep. Okay. Essentially babysitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's there, All but, like, incapacitated. Um, but she was upstairs with this fire. And my sister came downstairs. My sister had has a speech impediment, but at the time it was really severe. And she told me that there was a fighter upstairs. Oh. And I thought in my seven-year-old head that she was saying there was a spider <laughs> in her room. And I told her to sit down. Uh, she was supposed to be in bed. I told her, sit down, just stay here, and it'll go away. Oh. And uh, some friends of oh. my mother's and her current boyfriend um, came in. Uh, it was kind of, we never locked the doors. Mm -hmm. People were in and out a lot. Uh, but they came in, and I remember the guy, he was short, not very tall at all uh five 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 six and i looked over to where he was coming in the door and just over his head is this thick sheet of smoke Oof. and so they ran upstairs and they got my mom out and her boyfriend out and i ran next door to the neighbor's house and they called 911 and everybody was okay. Everybody made it out of the fire fine. My mom, I think, got some oxygen in the back of the ambulance, but she didn't even need to be taken to the hospital. Everybody was extremely lucky. Wow. Because you could walk from our house into the neighbor's house. It was a townhouse. Mm -hmm. And there was no more divider wall at the end of this. Oh, where'd man. you guys, did you have to move out? And where'd you move to? Uh, I, me and my sister and my brother moved in with my dad. Oof. Was that awful? It was in Leesburg. It it actually wasn't um, for for a while. <laughs> he he had an apartment and he had a girlfriend and everything was fine for a while. The girlfriend was a little crazy. Uh, I I don't I don't use the word crazy anymore for effect. I mean uh, yeah. she actually may have yeah. had some issues. Severe mental health. Um, I wanted to ask. Did so? Did your father's violence extend to the children, or was it just confined between he and your mother? Um, for a long time, it wasn't severe. Mm -hmm. Again, looking back, I mean, there were spankings and and it was it was disciplinary more than anything else. But it was looking back now, and and having children of my own, mm -hmm. um, it it was yes, it yeah. was, uh, it it was it was abusive. Are you uh, now that you have kids of your own? I mean, do you? Do you basically self-edit constantly to make sure you aren't duplicating any behavior from your parents? Every single solitary day. Yeah. Um, uh, I have, I mean, my mom, my mom's still around. My mom's still in my life. I talk to her almost every day. And oh, she's really? really come along. I mean, it's been, um, it's been 27 years since she started this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she's really, she's grown as a person. My siblings are almost adults now, all of my siblings. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got two more. My one brother just is graduating on Wednesday, high school, and then there's two more left uh, under 18. And, and she's still not perfect, but she's not 
erratic. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, for a long time, she had, she had, I mean, she's, her family and her are, they have, there's a history of mental illness there. Yeah. And she went undiagnosed for a long time. And that was undiagnosed, untreated. Um, there was a lot of self-medicating. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that contributed on her side. Uh, my, my dad, I don't know if, I don't know enough at this point. I wasn't old enough at the time to make the connections. And looking back now, I don't have enough information to make the call. So I don't know if any of his is mental illness related. Right. Or if, or if he just Maybe. had anger issues yeah. or, or what it, what it was exactly, but it was, it, it was definitely, and, and we'll get, we're, once we actually get up to where I go into foster care, that's, that yeah. was the that was the trigger. Which is yeah, what, yeah we want to get to that too. So. Yeah, what happened that um uh, it prompted someone to finally step in and uh, remove you guys? So we we after the fire we moved in with my dad. Eighteen months later, my mom came back. She'd been in Georgia uh, with a friend that she knew. She'd been staying down there. She came back up and and was visiting, not living with us, but visiting me and my siblings. Uh, she had our youngest brother with her because he was a, a baby baby. My, she didn't yeah. want to send him to my dad. And uh, eventually they got back together. And things were okay off and on uh, for, for several years. Uh, there was no, nothing major. Uh, but then about the time I was 11 or 12, um, things to, uh, their relationship started to started to deteriorate again. Uh, he lost his job as the maintenance man in the apartments we were living in. And so we moved into a townhouse, which was in the development right next door to the apartments. My mom was bartending, uh, which is something she's done since she, or she's been in the service industry since she was 16. My mom too. She's either waitressing or bartending. And that's something she did all through my childhood. So it wasn't that, it wasn't that out of the ordinary. She just wasn't home a lot. But at that point, we were, my siblings and I were, you know, 13, 12, 11. And I was old enough to legally be babysitting for short periods of time. So it wasn't that big of a deal, uh, her not being there. Except that it was causing some serious strain on their relationship. And my dad got increasingly... Uh, erratic, like jealous. Uh, not, not to keep using reusing a phrase, but um, drinking heavily. Uh, I know that I, I know for a fact at that point that there was uh, some drug use going on. I witnessed some of it. Um, I don't think he knew that, and I'm pretty sure I've never actually told my mother that. But I, he was a, uh, he lost the job as the maintenance man, and he was actually working as a general handyman mm -hmm. um he'd, he'd go out and if you needed you know your your house painted or your deck redone or your basement finished he he, he would do all that um he's very he's a very dis disappointing combination of things because he's very smart mm. on paper <laughs> uh -huh. and and uh and very talented very he didn't know how to do something he learned how to do it very quickly mm. But his decisions in life and and in his just everything else about him, just, it wasn't enough to cancel it out. So what? Uh, so after uh, as this spiraled downward, what was the actual tipping point? Did again? Did social services get a tip uh, or something? We got evicted. Um, my mom hadn't my mom hadn't been staying at home. Their relationship had gotten to the point where she was actually living in a hotel room next to. Uh, the bar she worked in mm -hmm. and would come during the day while my dad she would show up in the morning about 15 minutes after my dad left for work and she'd be gone when all of us got back from school mm -hmm. and and she would go to she'd be at work she'd spend the night there um my dad didn't pay the rent and i showed up from i showed up home from school one day and the door was locked which it never was. 
Uh, I didn't have a key because we literally never locked the door. Yeah. So I jumped our back fence in, into our little tiny yard, and the back door was locked. And I looked inside, and there were boxes everywhere. Oh, that's scary. And so I, I came back around the front, and one of our neighbors saw me and said, you need to go up to the hotel. Your mom's there. All your brothers and sisters there. Um, you need to go up to your mom's hotel room, and she'll tell you what's going on. And it, we, we'd been evicted. And we were apparently in, it was, it was, uh, the, the landlord claimed that my parents owed him so much money that we weren't going to be able to get most of our stuff. It was, he was considering it forfeit mm-hmm. and he was going to get what he could from it. Um, I'm still a little iffy on the legality of him doing that, but that's. Or, or just story. the basic ethics of taking things away from seven children. Yeah. Jesus right. Christ. Um, my mom was allowed to go in and bag up some clothes for us, uh, but it, it we didn't have anywhere else to go. So there were seven children and two adults on rotation uh, living in a two queen-size bed hotel room. It was uh, just really quickly, I meant to ask this earlier, seven kids is a lot, and another seven kids is a lot. A lot. Is there, uh, like, were your parents religious? No. Okay. All right. I, I didn't explain that very well. Um, I have I have two half siblings. So it's nine uh, kids. Total. Oh. Oh. Okay. It's eight, it's eight kids oh. total. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I got you. Okay. My dad, my dad has a daughter that is not my mother's. My mother has a son, uh, who's right in the middle. That that separation uh-huh. in '97 uh, during that time, um, she got pregnant. <laughs> Gotcha. And so right in the middle of all of my siblings is uh, a brother who I've never known to be anything but my brother. It's yeah. not like oh, my great. daughter. Okay, uh, that's that's nice though. Yeah, and and but uh so my mom has seven children. My father has seven children, but six of them are the same. Right. Kids. Right. <laughs> One overlap. But the, yeah, to that question, w- were they religious? Like did, did they want to keep having kids or, or that question came up a lot my mom um no that's that's not actually because my my mother's family is catholic but my mom's not catholic yeah she's she's sort of non-practicing yeah um so it wasn't a religious thing i really i don't know uh exactly how that I mean, I know, obviously, I have children. I understand how it works now. <laughs> the math of it makes sense. That's, yeah, that's that's <laughs> why, why they kept having children. I, I couldn't honestly tell you. Um, so you guys are all in that hotel room. And then, yeah, when did uh, social services get involved? Did someone call them? Did, did um, Or, or is dad, it social services? still drinking. Yeah. And my uh, sister did something that upset him. And he hit her so mm-hmm. hard. And she was ten years old. Uh, he hit her. He hit her so hard she couldn't see out of one of her eyes. Uh, just blacked the whole side of her face. And my mom wouldn't send her to school because of that. Yeah. Uh, however, one of my younger siblings, I guess, I guess it was, I guess it was the brother between us, um, told his teacher that Chelsea couldn't come to school because dad had hit her. Oh, and that's wow. when social services got involved mm-hmm. and they saw the living situation and they told, they basically told my mother, um, you need to correct this now or we're going to take all of them. So my, my mom, when we went into foster care, it was actually voluntary on my mother's part. Okay. Uh, she, she went to social services. She, I guess, explained the situation and, and, voluntarily uh, put us up um, in foster care. How did and, you guys feel about that at the time? Did you like, did you have a sense that yeah. it was the right decision or did it feel like a betrayal or? Well, at first my, the three older me and the next two down, um, we were actually with my grandparents. The three oldest kids all went with my grandparents. The next two down went with one family and then the youngest two were with the third family. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got to visit with each other. Um, we got to visit with our parents on alternating weeks. 
And it was, it, it, it seemed, I mean, it seemed like a good idea. It was, you know, better alternative than being crammed in a hotel room. Yeah. And, and I was, I was with my grandparents. So, I mean, that, that part was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very upset that we were separated. Um, nobody, nobody liked the fact that we were all split up, but at 12 or 13, I was old enough to realize that we're not going to find somebody that's going to take seven kids. kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, was, did somebody show up or, or take you to like, did you guys go into an office and all seven of you were in a room and then you were told what was go like you went to a foster home, like a, an orphanage uh, and then you were split up or how'd that we, work? I was placed with my grandparents originally. Well, that's what I mean, like, but like, after, uh, just... after, uh, no, no, my, my, my grandparents came and got us. My mom okay. went into a shelter oh, okay. for, a, for a time with the four youngest, but it was a temporary situation. Um, she could only bring the four youngest because they had a cap on, they, they couldn't house all of us. Yeah. So she put the three older ones with my grandparents. She took the four younger ones with her to a women's shelter in Loudoun County. And then, uh, they got, she had nowhere else to go once her time there was done. It was a, just a temporary thing. So the four younger ones were very stereotypically, very clinically placed in foster care. Mm-hmm. They would have gone, they would have gone to a an office and they would have been kind of assigned right. to whatever families were available. Um, after a couple of months, I mean, my grandparents were older. And, and it, all of a sudden they had three tweens thrust upon them. Um, so it was discussed and we were in on the discussion. We weren't really consulted very much, but we were aware that it was being discussed that we were going to be placed with a family also. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being that somebody, we actually ended up with a friend of, friend of a friend of the family yeah so we got to meet them first um it was kind of like an audition i think or or like when you're adopting a kid and you go you know might go to a park or something yeah. like that and you mm-hmm. play with them first just so everybody kind of gets introduced mm-hmm. we had that uh and nobody t- but nobody told us at the time why yeah um we just met these uh, very nice people um <laughs> Here are your two new adult friends. Like, yeah. Hang out with them for a little while. Uh, build two, a pillow two new, fort. Two new adults, and they had two children. <laughs> okay. uh, they, had, they had two boys. Uh, one was a little older than me, and one was a little, about my sister's age. Um, so, I mean, we, we just we thought they were friends of our family members. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that we were they were basically seeing if they thought that they would be capable of taking the three of us. Right. And, and they... They felt they could. And this was uh, Steve and Luann? Yeah. Uh, it, it's Luan. Luan, sorry. Yeah. Um, and they they lived in Berryville. And this is actually, this is where I uh, met. Our producer. Megan. And uh, this is where I met your <laughs> producer. And, uh, and, and it, was, it, was, it was actually a really, everybody hears about the horror stories of the foster care system. And they're, they're you know. And there's absolutely truth to that. Mm-hmm. There are people that are in it to get a paycheck. They get a monthly stipend, and or and uh, they're not actually providing. They're providing the bare minimum for the children, and then pocketing the rest of that stipend and not providing any sort of anything beyond you know material, food, water, and shelter. Yeah. But you guys had a pretty good setup with uh, Steve and Luan. They uh, they were extremely supportive uh they were extremely supportive of each of us individually as as you know as we had needs um my sister and brother all three of us were, were recommended for counseling and they made sure that we met our appointments oh that's crazy. Uh, my sister had some health issues um she got her tonsils and her adenoids out because they were extremely swollen and oh. and that, that that happened there and Luan made sure that every appointment was met and that she was comfortable and everything was taken care of. Um, I I look back on it now and I feel really awful. Uh, Luan and I bonded very well. 
Um, and did she feel like an aunt, or what? Did, yeah, what, I mean, I I still I, I feel feel kind of bad about it because I don't keep as I don't keep in as good a contact with them as I feel like I should. Mm-hmm. At this point, it, it was a little hard after we came back uh, to to feel comfortable maintaining yeah. that kind of contact. Cause when I was there after about, I was there for about 18 months and between 18 months and two years. It's a long time for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And after six months I was calling, I was calling a mom and dad. Yeah. Cause it was easier. Yep. It was easier and it felt right because while I was there, that was home and I didn't have to worry about having to move for, no reason and i didn't have to worry about nobody was going to hit me nobody was going to yell at me unduly nobody was going to i mean they were was this was there uh, sorry sorry was uh, it's just all about this Uh, like was there palpably less stress in your life yeah no there was there was a lot less stress in my life i actually integrated there a lot easier i think than my brother and sister um there was a lot of behavioral issues with them because they were rejecting the integration. Right. That wasn't mom and dad. It wasn't where they wanted to be. They wanted to be back with, you know. And they were parents. younger, right? So. I mean, uh, a little younger. Yeah. And, but, and again, it's when you're growing up in it, it's, it's hard to know the difference. Yeah. It's what you're used to. They're still your parents, you know, like it's that, that must ring through, must have rung through their heads. Like they're still mom and dad. What are we doing here? Mm. You know, there's that there's that uh, sort of outlying outlier loyalty that uh, that apparently, I guess, happens with some. Uh, and I know they were only a little bit younger, but uh, that, you know, a year or two. Well, might have been I mean, big it, it's still to this day. Oh, um, I, I to my mother, at least. I mean, I'm I'm a, I, I have uh, I've got issues to this day mm-hmm. and I realize that. Um, I still, to this day, have uh, issues with authoritative men. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that I, I, have, I, have, I have daddy issues and mommy issues, but they're <laughs> totally different kinds of issues. Yeah. Um, I have issues with authoritative men. Uh, my manager is a man. I have to work much harder to stay centered uh, <laughs> and not get confrontational with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my my mom, like I said, is still not. Uh, nobody's perfect, and she's still not either. And and my siblings are still there. So if if there's an issue, because uh, my younger siblings also still have hereditary issues as well as issues stemming from the fact that we had, you know, uh, crappy upbringings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so that so I mean I've been um, I had one brother before he moved out who got in an argument and then a physical altercation with um, my mom's current long-term uh, partner, mm. and who's not a bad guy. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was they just rubbed each other the wrong way. They rubbed each other the wrong way, and and it was there was a lot of aggression on my brother's side, and he was seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah, and and he came in late one night, and he'd been out, and he, uh, from what I understand, he'd been drinking. Drinks, and um, he got in Tony's face, my mom's boyfriend's face, and and they got to pushing, and the cops got called, and my uh, my other brother uh, didn't call, called me. My mom was calling the police and my other brother was calling me. And about five minutes later, I was in my car making the half hour drive mm. because that's still, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a problem and I'm there to fix it. Yeah. You, you're the oldest. So yeah, I, right. I wanted to ask about that. Like what, did you feel at certain points like you were um, a surrogate parent to the others? I mean, what was that? Was there a fair amount of pressure being the oldest? Like you've got to fix this in some way? Yeah, still is. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, um, they're still calling me. Yeah. My, my brother is about to go to college and I've been, my wife and I have been helping him a lot with that process. Just, and that's, that's a thing that an older brother does, but I'm, I'm way, I'm, I feel like I'm far more concerned than an older brother really should be. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot a- of the things. And that's, and I think that that's still part of this whole, my wife calls it a, a white knight complex. And I don't <laughs> think that, uh, I don't like the phrase, but yeah. I don't know what you where it comes it, from. It feels too, it's, it feels self-congratulatory, but there is, there, it's genuinely, it sounds like it's a very genuine and hardwired part of who you must be because there's there was nobody else uh for many moments in your family's life and my mom still calls me for a lot of things as well yeah she's been having health problems recently and she was in the hospital and her boyfriend who they've been together for three four maybe five years now serious relationship serious relationship uh and she had an episode and was taken to the emergency room and she didn't call tony she called me and again i was already uh, she called me and i was in my car already in the pointed in the general direction of the hospital and so the thought of going home vanished and i was on my way to the hospital that is a lot um so how does um all all of this stuff you've experienced um how does that translate into what you're like as a a a husband and a father now with your own family um i know you said you you sort of have this stuff in your head every day but um yeah you you, but it also it's mixed with like a positive foster care environment but mm -hmm. you your siblings and you were broken up and then and then also you you returned to your mom as well Mm mm-hmm like one, um, what was, I, I, what was I the was reason? At the point, um, after about two years, uh, I progressed through therapy and, and they were ready to send me home, but they actually gave me the choice. I was old enough. Uh, Stephen Lawn at that point, I mean, I've been in their house for two years. And at that point, your family, they, they had, uh, if, if I wanted to stay, it was put to me that if I wanted to stay, that they would work to see that happen. And if I wanted to go home, they completely understood. God damn. Uh, well, this, this was this was mostly Luan. But mm-hmm. um, Steve, Steve and I had kind of a contentious relationship, and that goes along with the, the issues I have with authoritative males. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had, you know, I, I came to his house, and I feel this is, this is something that I look back on with a lot of uh, regret because I came into his house and I hadn't had a real dad for ever. Not. Yeah. And I, I I came in with that surly teenage angst of you think you're going to be my dad now. And, um, and, and in reality, he, he was, he was very, he was very supportive. He was very patient. And I, I didn't treat him with near the respect that he deserved mm-hmm. or with near the same level of empathy that he treated me. Well, th- I, 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 hear, I hear that, Philip, but I, I'm just going to tell you right now that, you know, you were, you were a child and you came from a hot mess situation and you had no context and oh, part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just part, uh, just p- please pardon yourself for that part <laughs> for anything you're feeling about. I mean, it because... and, I've, and I've apologized to him at this point. Oh, they, they showed up to my wedding. Oh, oh, that's so nice. And, and, and again, you did um, nothing wrong. Long distance relationships <laughs> with, with extended family or, or even, um, I mean, with, with some very notable exceptions, one of them being your producer and, uh, <laughs> are, are still kind of difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I, I've got, uh, some severe, uh, anxiety and, and abandonment issues, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, Luan and Steve and their sons and, uh, and I are, we're, again, we're, we're Facebook friends. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of keep tabs on what's happening in each other's lives, but I haven't seen them in uh, some time now. That's probably yeah. it, that, 
there's probably a fear in there of like how do you you know just seeing them is going to trigger a lot of emotions and dealing with that all those emotions is stressful and it's uh, you know you're going to have to process them and it's going to be on your plate and you have to think about it and that's that's anxiety and sometimes you just want to kind of move forward with your life and but actually that brings up a question i wanted to ask how you've mentioned uh uh, going to therapy when you um went to live with Stephen luan um how big of a role has going to therapy and being able to talk through this uh how big a role has that played in um just kind of getting past it and moving forward and growing. So I was, I was in therapy for the entire time that I was in foster care. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately when I, when I came home, it kind of fell by the wayside, but I, I got hooked up with a counselor who was very, again, very supportive. I got very lucky mm-hmm. uh, with, with a lot of this whole situation. Um, I got set up with very loving and supportive and caring foster parents. I got set up with, uh, our, 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 our legal represent representative, our, our guardian ad litem is uh-huh. the term, um, was also extremely on it and, and, and there, and we never, you know, we never used it, but like I had her cell phone number if I needed something or if I had any questions. Um, and the same thing with, uh, with my counselor, Denise, uh, it was it was it was good to go and talk and kind of get a sense of why I had some of the feelings I had and be able to piece together sort of sort of what I wanted to do um, because like I said at the end of it I I they gave I was given a choice I was old enough mm-hmm. and 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 had been there long enough that I was given a choice I could go home if I wanted to and or if I didn't want to I could stay where I was. And from what I understood, everybody was aware of this choice. My mother, my foster parents, everyone was aware of this choice. And, uh, and, and everybody had expressed that they would support it no matter what. And I, too big of a family mm-hmm. for me to, to lose everybody. Yeah. I don't think I would have lost everybody. I'm sure that Stephen Luan would have still, you know, facilitated, you know, facilitated visits and everything like that. But I didn't want to be the only one. I want to be the only outsider there. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. to be, and I would have been, I would have been loved, and I would have been treated well, and I would have been, you know, that would have been my family. But I would have still been. I would have been the adopted kid there and I would have been the kid that didn't come home yeah. with my family. So you do you feel like you you made that choice more for your family than for yourself or um little column A, little column yeah. B. Um in I, retrospect, I, do you think you made the right choice? In in the grand scheme of things, yes. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't come I mean, it it's it's hard to look back kind of like when you asked about my parents having so many kids. Um, I don't know why they kept having kids, but if they, if they hadn't had, you know, I'm the oldest. So if they had stopped somewhere along the line, uh, I might not have uh, the brother that's about to graduate. He's, he's yeah. a, he's a, he's got a mathematically impossible GPA. And, and congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, don't, don't say that too loud. Cause he's also got a head, <laughs> but, um, but he, it's deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if they had stopped somewhere along the lines, he might not be here, or my sister might not be here. Yeah. And and it's so it's hard it's hard to it's hard to look back. I mean, these my parents maybe shouldn't have been maybe shouldn't have been parents. There are, there are people out there that you look at and and you get the sense that maybe should have waited or maybe shouldn't have should have made a different choice than to have children because they're not. Ready fully for it. Prepared for it. Oh, I'm so, an only child, and I totally believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and so, if I hadn't come home, I, I met uh, I met my wife in high school. Oh, okay. Um, we we've we just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary. Hey, Congratulations! Awesome! Congrats! Thank you. Um, but we have been together now for it'll be ten years in December. So we've been together since I was 17. I was a senior in high school. 
and I would not, but we met when I was a sophomore when I came back out here. You guys were in the same grade when you met? Uh, I'm, I'm actually a year older than her. <laughs> Uh, we were taking some of the same classes just because I switched states. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that they taught in 10th grade out here, I took in ninth grade over there. Yep. But their ninth grade classes here were what I needed to take. So we, we ended up in a couple of the same classes. I passed math because of her. <laughs> not, not, a numbers, uh, not a numbers guy. And I sat in front of her in geometry and uh, pretty shamelessly... Just cribbed. Copied uh, off of her. So, what is that uh, shape? It's a square. What's the matter with you? You've never seen us. Uh, no. <laughs> well, can so. I ask you? Um. Uh. You know, it. It sounds like, it's obviously there's no best case scenario with any of these things. But like you were saying, there was a good set of foster parents. There was therapy. There were people who were on point despite all the chaos. And and that's definitely. Wonderful, but a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people out there who may have something worse or horrifically worse or maybe even better. But just to address the whole spectrum, uh, what would what advice would you give to foster parents that are considering adopting or who already have, you know, kids that they've adopted? Um, I mean, for, for prospective foster parents, just have an open mind mm -hmm. and, and, and you've already got hopefully, you know, an open heart to the whole thing, that you're willing to let these kids come into your house and live with your family. And even if it, even if you're looking at it as a temporary thing, um, which most, it, it depends on your situation. Uh, my, we're actually, uh, the application's upstairs on the dining room table. I have, uh, we're, we're looking at adopting. Aw, oh, dude. That's great. Potentially adopting. Good so, for you. Um, and, but you have to, they're, they're going to come in, they're going to have issues. They're going to have, uh, you know, baggage coming out of their ears. <laughs> and you've just got to be, you just have to realize that and you have to be supportive. And just, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. you got to be patient. And then um, one more question I wanted to ask. <laughs> I don't know that any children listen to our podcast, but uh, for our vast, uh, for the uh, p potential children that might one day listen to this podcast. Be a reference point um, for somebody. What advice would you give to kids who are going, going through, well, going through abuse or, or just a, a really messed up situation at home? Um, is it just, you know, talk to somebody at school? What would you tell them? How should they... Is there something they can do to um, help themselves? Um, it's scary. Yeah. But telling somebody is is the first step. I, that sounds like an after-school special. But that's, <laughs> really, that's really what there is. Um, it's it's not your fault. It's not anything that you did. And it's it it's better in the long run to get some help from somebody that you that you trust or someone that you should trust because mm. there might not be anybody really um, depending on your situation uh, but I mean as yeah. a school counselor a, a policeman um, the friendly lady next door if if, if you and there's there's risk involved in that because mm -hmm. if it depending on the situation, um, if I had, if I had gone to a neighbor and said something about my dad hitting me, and instead of you know reporting it through official channels, she had just gone over and said something to my dad. Um, that's that's not going to be a fun night. Yeah, that'd be infinitely but, worse. I mean, if you have, I mean, it, it, it gets better. Hmm. It's not your fault. None of it is your fault. And, and it's, it's temporary. You hit 16. If you, if you've been unable to get help, you hit 16, you hit the library and you find out, uh, what it takes to 
help yourself. Yeah. Find somebody that, I mean, cult, cultivate a relationship with somebody. Uh, I had very good foster parents, but I also have um, a grandfather who to this day is my role model, the one the one that I got placed with. Mm-hmm. Temporarily. He was, I mean, he was older, he couldn't, they weren't really set up to handle us. So they made sure that we were going somewhere not terrible. Yeah. yeah. And and they and they were still very active in our lives and we saw them at least twice a month. And it and and that's I mean he he's one of my role models for how I go about my day to day. I've got I have positive role models like that and Steve uh, and friends, parents who, you know, aren't, and, and nobody's, nobody's got it all down, but you can pick and choose what you want to be in this world and you just have to find the right people. I've also got negative role models. Um, every, uh, I, uh, told you my dad was, you know, as disciplinary in most of it, it was extreme and it was excessive but it was generally responsive. Mm-hmm. It was in response to something that we did. It went mm-hmm. overboard, but it was in response to something we did. And I'm not necessarily against discipline of some form, but I cannot bring myself to lay an unkind hand on my kids. Yeah. Well, I'm not, if you do, I, I mean, if, if you spank your kid, I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> But I I can't I can't bring myself to do it. I can, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I I have a lot of uh, I can look at a lot of the things my parents did, and I know that that's not what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, they laid out a very I have a very clear map of what not to do. Also. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess one of the other takeaways from all of this is just remember anybody listening, you are not your parents and you don't have to be. Uh, and if you are scarred or find yourself repeating some of that behavior, it doesn't mean you always have to. Um, you are your own person and I like the ask for help. You can choose who you're going to be in this world. So yeah. get help. You if got you a need cool it. grandparent. You got a guidance counselor. That's awesome. You got a, mm-hmm. you're just a cop in your neighborhood or just a neighbor. That's great. Find yeah. somebody that's uh, yeah. really helpful to hear for probably a lot of people. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes. Yeah. Reach out. Even as, even as if you're unable to get it as a child, as an adult, there's no shame yep. in needing help. It's the hardest yeah. thing to ask for sometimes. Right. Right. Um, well, Philip, thank you so much for being with us and, and sharing your story. Yeah, and uh, uh, it sounds like you've been on a, a really crazy path, but um, I'm so happy for you and your wife and your family. And congratulations uh, on your sixth anniversary. Yeah, I hope the fostering, I hope you guys get to adopt. That sounds yeah, just wonderful. That's wonderful. Man. We, we just got to get the, the paperwork turned in now. There's a process involved, but uh, we're, we're at the very start of it. But it's, it's, it's something that... Um, my wife didn't have to ask twice. Uh, <laughs> have you ever thought about adopting? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, because I love it. If, 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 and that's another thing. If you can be helpful. Yeah. Um, if, if you've, if you've had, if you've had a crappy life, but you're in a good place now, or you've had, you know, a really rosy life and you're still in a great place. There are people out there that need help. There are children sitting in group homes there are children waiting to be adopted and if you've got the means and and the love that that you think you could help they're they're out there get busy you might, living. Not, you might not see them um but you know google you have a yeah. local adoption agency you have a local foster care system and if you can be that person that that helps one of these children. What? Why? Why aren't Why aren't you doing it? <laughs> yeah, there will always be those kids. So if you're into it, guys, if you have the heart, well, just enough to get by, that's enough. Please consider adopting. Yeah, let's. Um, I, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Philip. Philip, thank you so much. 
absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. You're, uh, I'm so glad there are people like you out in the world. Thank you. Take Thanks. Care, buddy. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Stupid Human Suits. Thanks to our uh, producer Megan. <laughs> thank you, Megan. Thanks for to our, to our Megan us producer. To <laughs> fill up and and just, uh, oh, yeah. it's it's hard not to like choke it back a little bit. Like, yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, we'll All right. Uh, see you next time. Stupid Bye. Human Suits. Bye. And now we close our show with a secular prayer. Our fellow humans who are here and now, hallowed be thy consciousness. Thy kingdom floats. In a universe so vast, it's like totally bananas, man. Therefore, be kind to each other and don't eat so much bread. Ask forgiveness of your trespasses and forgive those who trespass against you. Because all of us can be really fucking annoying. For thou art the mind inside thine stupid human suit, the only one of its kind. We are thus also, and that must simply be enough. Amen. Amen. It's amen. Amen. Okay. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.